Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. This is episode 60, what did I say, 68? And um, we're recording this on uh, Saturday, February 13th. And um, I'm here with my buddy. Kushro. <laughs> and I am Kerwin. Kushro, <laughs> after 68 episodes, don't change. It's really good. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and we're here in Houston on one of the one of our coldest days uh, in a long time. Um, I think we're supposed to be expecting record low temperatures. It's already snowing in some parts of the state, parts of the state. So um, we're getting all that cold air that came down from Canada. Is that the same cold air that's causing like all the bad weather in uh, like Amsterdam? They, I, I guess the uh, the canals are frozen over. Are they? Yeah. No, no, they said it's, okay. been, it's been like three years <clears throat> since this had happened, I think, based on what okay. someone was saying. Yeah, and you can see people like skating on the canals, which yes. you know, yeah, okay. people are basically walking from like one street, walk across the canal and then go on the other street, which, you know, is not possible, right? Yeah, I'll try to send you some pictures. They're all, they're all, over, the, uh, all over the internet. So, um. All right, Kushra, what's, what, what's your background today? What you got? I have a Lufthansa 748 landing in snow. I thought it was an interesting combination of colors. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I just saw that the 77X mm. is getting cold weather testing in Alaska this week. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, uh, that's always interesting to see. Um, that is a pretty cool photo. Uh, the interesting thing when you're in a plane and it's and it's on on um, snow, is you see all the vortices uh, mm. from the um, from the engine and stuff, and the um, what do you call it now? Like the air curling up, looking like a typhoon jumping into the mm. engine. It's very cool to watch. I think it's in Fairbanks, right? The triple seven X nine dash nine is in Fairbanks. Oh, is that where they are? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, where they, they shut were. it down completely for, for twenty four hours. Yeah, it's then like, we started to see. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. And it's minus um, what 40, 50 centigrade there, or whatever it is. That's just ridiculous. What did they have like 10, <laughs> 10 layers on? <laughs> it's 60 degrees and I have three layers on. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah. Um and the C919 is in Canada, which is the Chinese uh, Airbus okay. yeah. competitor. And and this this brings up something where um you know, uh, despite what happens with airplanes eventually you know they have accidents and stuff like that a lot of planning and testing goes into it. Yep. And uh, cold weather testing is one of them. They also do it in Iqaluit, which is in northern Canada. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's there. I don't know. But I'm surprised China doesn't have equally cold parts of the country. <clears throat> I would think they do, right? Yeah, I know, especially yeah. in the north. Yeah. Desert, but, but maybe all the I don't know equipment and testing. And yeah, maybe the, yeah. They, they get to fly it and land it. And yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other they they um the other part of this that they do is they do the um high altitude, which is usually done in La Paz, Bolivia, because mm. um, I think that has a dubious thing of being the world's tallest. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, where do they do ho um, hot weather testing? I think in the Southwest, in Arizona. 
Uh, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so a, a lot of things go into making sure the airplane is safe. Um, and I've got, uh, so in Zoom, you, you, you can test, you can have a video background or you can have a photo background. So I've never used a video background. So um, this is, I think this is here in Houston at A24. Um, when last year when I was taking my flight on JetBlue to JFK from Houston. And so um, this will probably get annoying. So it, it may end up getting changed. Does, does this have to be hobby though? Does JetBlue come to IH? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They started IH. Yeah, they started. Okay. Yeah, I think it was either either it was. I think it was the beginning of okay. twenty twenty. They moved. Okay. From, um, mm. Houston has two airports: um, Intercontinental and Hobby. And JetBlue used to fly into Hobby, and then they moved and changed to um, to Intercontinental, which is the the bigger, the larger airport. Um, okay. So let's begin. Um, and speaking of airports, we're going to start with uh, our airport section. And um, uh, airports, you know, you, you, learn to you learn to love them. Um, I've spent way too much time in airports. Matter of fact, I have an upcoming project, which um, I won't tell you guys what it is yet, but it will, it will involve airports as soon as it's safe to do so. Um, and uh, Schiphol, Amsterdam Schiphol, is one of the airports that you love to hate because it's really nice, but it's really big. And going from A to F, which you probably can't really do unless you're going through, uh, they have the like international stuff and all that, but it's really big. And so um, what are they doing, Krisho, to make it the most sustainable airport in the world? They have starting testing of autonomous uh, baggage delivery to aircraft. Okay. Which, uh, but the, the weird part is that they're only doing it for one month in the month of February. Yeah. Um, this is part of the whole initiative to be zero emissions by 2050. Okay, so hold on, Kusha, hold on. So, so continue. I'll say, I'll tell you after. So um, Amsterdam wants to be the most, the first airport to get to that stage zero emissions, and they want all their ground activities to be zero emissions. Mm -hmm. Starting with baggage transport, passenger transport, and aircraft pushback. So aircraft tugs, they're going to be autonomous and electric. So mm -hmm. there's this company called TLD that has manufactured this tug for the baggage transport. And uh, they are starting trials this month. Um, what they're going to do is that they are going to um, load baggage in the baggage center, of course, at Schiphol, and then have an agent initially in the cab, um, in the tractor, or in the tug, and have it go according to a certain definite, defined route to the aircraft position on the ramp and do the same thing on the way back. So I would have expected they would have had to do multiple months of testing, but apparently not because yeah. sometimes you have to wait for a passing aircraft or whatever. 
and then in the winter for snow and things like that. But I'm sure they know what they're doing, but this is something that they're starting this month. Um, as I said, the self-driving vehicle will be loaded in the baggage area and navigated to an aircraft stand via a fixed route. Um, there will be a safety operator on board to stop the vehicle if necessary. Um, the Rotterdam, Rotterdam airports, the Hague, Eindhoven are also testing these. Um, and uh, as I said, the Royal Schiphol Group plans all ground-based aircraft uh, activities to be smart, they say, autonomous and zero emissions as soon as possible. And definitely before 2030. I don't so, like it. I don't like it at I, all. Because it's, you know me and substitute in people. I just, I hate when they replace people, Tisha. It's not my thing. <laughs> it's just not my thing. So wait, hold on a sec, hang on. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, folks, I just had to shift location for a second, but you couldn't tell because it's stuff is still in the background, right? Um, I don't like when they replace, I'm good with technology, but I don't like when they replace the humans. That's going my, everywhere. It it's is, but, everywhere. Uh, but say, saying you want to have zero emission and then getting rid of people at the same time is ridiculous. And at some point we need to stop that, right? Because what you're saying is, oh, the environment is great, but where are the humans that are gonna be living, living in that environment? If you, if you get rid of every human who's doing the work in essence, right? Um, the whole idea is to keep people gainfully employed with all these uh, new things. And so if you decide, okay, fine, we're gonna have auto autonomous vehicles running at the airport. Yeah, we'll have one human to ride on it until it's quote unquote safe. What's that other human gonna do? And don't tell me they're gonna do something else because that is not the case. You're gonna fire them. And at some point we need to step up to the plate and say, technology is good, but there's some, we have to stop at some point. That's just, that's just how I feel about it. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And you see that you see it happening a lot. Yeah, everywhere in all everywhere. aspects of it. Yeah, and then they're saying it's because of the environment. Okay, I get that. But why are you, you don't have to replace the human in the equation to make uh, the environment cheaper. safer. Exactly. So tell me what it is. Don't, don't say, oh, we're doing this for the environment because we want to do completely emission. Okay, fine. Then go around a completely autonomous airport. You don't need humans then at all. So why don't you figure out how to get the bag once that little autonomous vehicle gets to the ramp thing to the, to the loader, why don't you let the little autonomous vehicle take everything into the loader? You don't need humans yeah. at all. Because they're going to require a loaders to put, take it off the, the baggage cart and into the aircraft. Oh, yeah. So how do those people get there? Uh, right, exactly. Into the aircraft stand. You know, so um, I, 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 you know, don't get me wrong, I do understand what, um, what should happen. But telling me that you're, you're basically you're saying we're firing people 
in the name of making making our our world greener. Well, what about the people that are living here? We can figure this out without getting rid of the people. So you don't have you can create a vehicle that's greener without getting rid of the person who drives it. I mean, and I think for aircraft dogs, that's quite risky because I mean, if you an autonomous vehicle bumps into another aircraft, that's yeah, potentially hundreds of thousands of. And you know, the first thing damage. is, as soon as the damage occurs, is when we're going to start. It's like, it's like the Max. They were trying to save money on the Max, and it cost us a lot of people's lives. And now they're stepping back and going, "Oh, okay. Well, maybe we shouldn't do this, and maybe we should do this better." And this is probably what's going to happen with all these automations that they're doing, where they're just completely eliminating the human and using the environment as an excuse to do it. That's kind of where no. I like. I don't like that. So yeah, whatever, Skippo. <laughs> it would be nice if people would question them on this when they made these announcements. Like, well, how are you going to get the baggage handlers to the aircraft stand? Well, I guess they're just going to walk. They're just going to walk. They're just going to maybe walk next to these autonomous vehicles because that's what happens, right? I mean, you, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I just don't. I don't like when they do stuff like this. I, 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 it sends the it sends the wrong message, and of course, everyone who's into the environment is like, "Oh, this is great for the environment," but have you really thought that through? What happens to that person? You tell me, Skippo. What happens to all the people who drive those tugs? You're going to send them home, and they'll have no jobs now. And don't tell me they're going to be absorbed into the rest of the airport because that is not what happens, and you know it. Because we see it with the we see we not see so it. subtle. They get birth control. Uh, don't well, have the kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, I don't know. I just think it's 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 wrong, and they know it. And you know, all they're doing it for is so they could save money. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is, right? And Until there's an accident. There's an accident, and then they go, "Oh my God!" You know, we we shouldn't have done this, and we shouldn't have done that. Now, autonomy is a is a good thing, right? I mean, it is going to happen, um, uh, but. Eliminating the human completely is just stupid because you're putting people it's out like of driverless cars. Yeah. But, but, but I love driverless cars. <laughs> See, Kusha, no. because the human is still there, the human is just not driving. <laughs> and I'm not getting rid of somebody's job, right? Well, although no. we about it, if, if Uber was going to do driverless cars, they're getting rid of a person. That's somebody yeah. whose job is doing that. Um, matter of fact, here in the US, I think in Colorado, um, autonomy is actually going on right now because they're using um, for cargo. Cargo delivery is actually the main part of autonomy right now. But they're using- You mean with the drones? Uh, no, with, uh, with trucks, trucks delivering. Okay. Um, there are autonomous trucks now that are they're operating in Denver. Okay. And, uh, and I don't think it's Denver, it's in Colorado. Um, and they're taking cargo, but there is a human in it. Um, but the, truck, okay. the trucks are autonomous. And eventually- I think I saw an episode on 60 Minutes about that. Mm -hmm. And eventually they are going to get rid of the humans. Yeah. But, you know, but not yet. So it's crazy. We need to be careful of how we, um, how we eliminate humans. That's really what they're doing. They're not doing it. Oh, we're going to be environmentally friendly in 2050. Really? All right. So, 
you 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 uh, you got me off on a tangent there, Kasha. Uh, was it all you had on on that one? On Amsterdam, yes. Okay. Right. Paris was uh, another yeah. issue. What's going on with uh, Airport de Paris? So ADP, which is the group that manages the Paris airports, um, I did not know this, but they were well on their way to designing um, and uh, starting Terminal 4 at CDG, Charles de Gaulle, main airport in Paris. Yeah, they got a lot this of space to, out there. Yeah, I'm curious to see where they would have put it, but this was supposed to be an airport within an airport hmm. because this new Terminal 4 would have allowed um, 40 million passengers a year extra by the end of the 2030s and an extra 400 plus flights a day into CDG. Okay. It seems like a lot. Yeah, but, that's a lot more. Um, after the, when this pandemic hit, France apparently took a different approach to airport design and now requires any new construction to include provisions for battery operated and uh, hydrogen fueled aircraft. So that necessitated scrapping the entire provision for T4 as it was and going back to the drawing board. Oh, but, wow. Um, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting development that I didn't even know that they were planning an additional terminal. It started in 74, opened in 74, the yeah. CDG, second busiest in Europe, and it had over 76 million passengers in 2019. Yeah, I didn't think so, they were doing another terminal. Um, I mean, T1 is old and needs to be, needs to go. Actually, the entire, all three terminals need to be refurbished. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they, but they just did the new one. They, the one that uh, T2, I guess, which is where um, Delta and Air France uses. They just redid that whole new piece. Um, yeah. Your hall F or H? No, not F. It's probably H. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, they've done. They mean, that, that that piece is brand new. And and I remember when they built when they'd done two um, C, or maybe it was two D. I think it was two C. Might have been two D. They um the roof fell off. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and then they had to go back and read and read and we did we do that. Um, so they've done some refurbishments. Um, Not enough. Just enough. Well, they need to do. They need to redo the initial A, B, and A and mm. B that needs to be redone um, because those those have been there since I guess probably the airport opened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and T one, and you know there really is no T three, right? <laughs> There's that. Um, you have to take that valve too, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but that's with the T one. Um, and I could never mm -hmm. figure out why they have why they have a T three, but I don't even know where T three is. I see signs, but when I go there, there's yeah. nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> um, maybe someone who's familiar with Paris can explain why there's a T three, but they really you never do. There are signs. You're right. You only go from T one or T two, and T two is very huge. I think T two goes up to G now. Mm. Has F, G, and H in it. Um, Crazy. Okay. Well, I guess we won't. Yeah, but you know they probably have the plans, and it'll it'll happen again. And they do have a lot of space out there, Kusha. It's a huge, huge area. There are uh, a lot of farms though around. 
Yeah, they are a lot of fun. Unless they bought out all that. Um, they probably would. And there's a piece across the highway. Um, there's a, I mean, because the nearest town is the town where, where, where Concord went down. What's it? Um, yeah, well, it's it's kind of weird, but so there, there's um, there's another town. I don't think it's Rossi. Rossi is where the airport is uh, itself, which, by the way, is a beautiful town if you ever get a chance to to um, to, to stop it. If they the expand the airport, they're going to meet a lot of protests. No, um, what Heathrow is going. Yeah, um, but but like I said, isn't they they have the land out there, so they can actually do it. Um, so. It is actually big. If you ever land, if you ever land there, you can see that there's a lot of land space around around CDG. But I'm curious um, about what sort of provisions you have to make for battery and electric aircraft when there's not any plans for any of these planes to come online anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good one. Um, oh, but you know, but thinking about this, this Schiphol thing, <clears throat> you know, they already have these, these, um, uh, I think they're electric operated because they're actually remote. Uh, where what is this? Um, these pushback tugs, and if you've seen them, they use them for the smaller planes where uh, mm -hmm. they, they, they actually they, they actually use a I've remote, not seen them. yeah, they use a remote control to, to do the pushback. And so there isn't a person sitting on it. So what's the point of that, though? Um, it's so what is the point of that? Then? It's it's a smaller footprint, and you don't have okay. a, so you don't have to make a make space for a driver to sit on it. Um, and it's a it's a, it's remote control. I'm assuming it's bad. It's probably battery powered. Um, if I'm I wondering it, if then that's what the baggage dumps are going to be. Um, they're going probably, to be controlled by a probably, probably. I'll try to find um, this one. Well, if, if it's autonomous and it wouldn't be any remotes or anything like that, it would just, they just tell it, hey, go from A to B. This is the route, go. And it'll do it. Um, this because one, sometimes aircraft stands are not where you can see from a fixed location. And most of the time, right? Um, correct. But, but they will stop at the same place. And with autonomy, they will design... Um, you know, if it'll it'll know to stop at all the stop signs, it'll do uh, avoidance. What about weather? Collision, collision rain. avoidance. Um, weather, I guess weather wouldn't really affect it. Um, the snow will, right? Unless, if the sign is obliterated, if it's covered in snow. Um, yeah, but it's it's using sensors and things like that. So the sensors will pick up a lot of those. And there's are some really good sensors out there. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. <clears throat> but we're, we're, we're going back and forth, which is fine. <laughs> so I hope they follow through afterwards. I hope uh, Schiphol Airport follows through in... Um, actually, this was an article on the BBC. Yeah. So I hope they follow through and give us an update as to how the test went. Yeah, they're just... The end of February. Hey, we're implementing it because that's what they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> um... All right. Is that all you had for CDG? Yep. Okay. And by the way, um, the the uh, Aeroport de Paris, which is the company that runs all the Paris airports, um, Paris has Beauvais, Charles de Gaulle, and um, Orly. One? Orly, exactly. 
Um, okay, let's talk about aircraft. Um, the 737 is always in the news. Oh, it's going Yes, on. but this is a good news. And, and um, did you know Chinese farms were being blacklisted now? Who are being blacklisted? Chinese farms. Really? Because, yeah, because oh. that's where the 737 gale fins were, are being produced. Okay. And um, very suddenly, this week, actually, on February 5th, uh, Boeing announced that they are moving production to India, mm. where there's a company called Tata Boeing Aerospace, where in uh, the city of Hyderabad, yeah, where they manufacture the fuselage for the um, AH-64 Apache helicopter. So they're going to produce the tail fins there. Mm. So they had no timeline as to when that was going to start. But oh, um, why are we changing a good thing? <laughs> because well, pressure about China. considerations. Mm. And I wonder if that means the Dreamlifter is going to be flying to Hyderabad to pick up these tail fins. Well, I guess so. So now we're going to have to go through a whole other process of testing whatever the new the new machines and stuff that are building yeah. up things are. It's apparently all robot um, assembled. There's very little yeah. human interaction. Of course. In the construction of these uh, structures. We're always so. getting rid of, getting rid of um, humans, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to no. happen. The humans are going to revolt. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so... Uh, oh my God! Uh, that's interesting. So I'm I'm looking I'm looking at the news. that's going to say in about I don't know ten years if we're still around, um, it'll say oh we're moving the seven thirty seven vertical fins back to China. <laughs> uh, what's going to happen? Whenever we have bad relationships with every country, we're just going to move manufacturing to a different country and then move it back whenever the relations improve. I mean, where, when does this, how does this end? <laughs> um, oh my goodness. All right. Is it all we had for that one? Yep. It was oh. a short one. All right, good. But I just and, thought it was worth mentioning. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? Um, politics and aviation, they can't, they can't be separated. <laughs> uh, all right. So in episode 67, we talked about um, pa health passports. Um, what update do you have for us on that one? So we were talking about how confusing this all is and why all these different organizations are creating essentially the same thing for no apparent reason. Well, there is and an apparent reason, but continue. This, <laughs> see, I don't see the financial gain for these companies to do this. Data, dude, data. Unless it's, but you see, you're not allowed to use the data. Everyone is falling over themselves, promising consumers that this data is not going to be for public consumption, only private, yeah. located on your own device, unless they're getting money from advertising. It's hard yeah. to imagine. Yeah, but, but the airline owns the data, right? And they, they will use the data, you know, whatever they tell you in the long 20-page terms of conditions that they, that they have in there. So and the airline is going to give this, sell this data to all these different 
No, they'll probably just use it to do different kind of marketing to you. So well, if, if, if you go, uh, well, finish your story. Long story short, Sita, which is um, um, a travel technology company. Um, just, I believe it started in this, a long while ago in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, they have announced a health protect, health passport. And um, again, as they all claim that it's completely um, integrated with others like the International Chamber of Commerce AOK program, the World Economic Forum Common Pass program, the IATA Travel Pass program, and then the Simply Go, which is, I think, one that's being used by US airlines. So as usual, they claim it's an industry solution to help um, airlines, airports, governments, and passengers safely and securely share information on all health tests and vaccinations needed during travel. Um, documents are stored and submitted securely to all the authorities at airports. And this is also a means for you to um, essentially use no-touch biometric uh, procedures to go from check-in to boarding at airports. So essentially similar to everything. Um, and this is one statement that they made that really did make a lot of sense to me. It incorporates something called advanced passenger processing to enable authorities to determine if the passengers can travel at point of check-in. Now, if you don't have a, a vaccination or um, test clearance, you should not be allowed anyway to proceed beyond that. So I don't see why this is doubted as a, as a huge advantage, but I'm probably missing something there. Mm -hmm. um, you can also store your um, electronic travel authorization forms on this device, on this um, um, application. System, on this application, yes. And they're also working with the Australian government yeah. um, for stricter border controls. So um, <laughs> that was this aspect of um, what I wanted to mention. But then there's also this IATA travel passport that has most recently partnered with the government of Panama and Copa Airlines to test it. Uh, because remember they were doing it with um, the UAE carriers. Mm -hmm. So Copa becomes the first airline in the Americas to trial this. And Panama is the first government to uh, collaborate, to be involved in this process. And then if that wasn't enough, you have one world and they have a portal with the website that you can go to, partnering with this um, company, the travel tech company called Sherpa, that is essentially doing the same thing. Based on the destination of the passenger, it gives you all the requirements and all the testing that is necessary for you to um, have to go through before you are allowed to board the aircraft. So um, that was launched in July of 2020. And it's 
now they're now working on a way to uh, facilitate access to one world um, airline lounges at airports based on this portal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's all these conflicting and seemingly overlapping means for passengers to check their own uh, status. Yeah. So it, it, the, the reason, so everybody's using Tomatic, and we talked about Tomatic in the, in the last episode, which is a system that has all the regulations for all the different countries and how you can go from A to B to C and what you need. Because you can go from A to C, but if you go through B, you need something else. And all that information is in there. So they were all just using that. You can't really have one system. Be, well, I guess uh, you can't have one application because if I'm flying with American, I'm going to go to the American website. If I'm flying with Delta, I'm going to go to the Delta website. And so and then I'll have different credentials and all that. So that's why each right. airline is doing that. But but this is not something new. Um, prior to this, you could go to any airline's website, and uh, well, most of the big ones anyway, because there is a cost to this to them, uh, because Tomatic charges them every time somebody does a search. But you can go, or you can even go to the IATA Travel Center, and you can put in whatever information you can do that now, whatever information you want, and it tells you what requirements right. you need. So every airline does that. All they're doing now is just they're just making it because COVID is around. They're they're using COVID as a launch thing for these things. Um, but go ahead. I don't know for another point. American has another this very fly app mm-hmm. that it is also using. Yeah. Um, using initially, it was um, only out of Miami. Yeah. But now it's expanded it to all the American hubs in the U.S. Eight countries uh, that is is really the same thing where you can enter all your information and you get all the requirements and all your documents are stored at this location yeah so should you use the one world portal should you use the verify portal should you use the iota portal well you have to use the one you have to use the one that your airline is using and so that's the that's the thing so that's the thing with iota in charge of all the different airlines how could they not standardize this across all airlines? Well, it is, it, is, simpler. it is standardized. It's standardized in the sense that it's using the same data, which is thematic. So you're getting the same information. Right, but it's all a different to. format, right? Well, it has to be because every airline is different. Right? When you when you go to Delta's website, do you... downloading an app from, let's say, IATA. Shouldn't the format be the same? Uh Probably like the International it, Chamber of Commerce, but that's but but it's not. You're not using an app from IATA. You, you're using. Yes, you are. You're using. Yes, you airline, are. Yeah, but you're using the airline app. You're not using the IATA app. Because all that is telling you, all, all these See, apps, all these IATA apps are travel you, app. The, the, this IATA travel. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? Which is the same as the IATA travel, travel bus. You ever been to the IATA travel center? No. So on the IATA travel, the data that they're using in the IATA app is the same data that's in the IATA travel center. And all it does, it asks you for like, it asks you for like your, you can put your birth date in, your passport date. Yes. Um, it's very simple to, to start the process. Yeah. And, it, and it'll ask you for, but, but once you- Why get, does it, everyone have to have an individual, individual one? Is it something you have because, to download? Because each That airline, is not integrated in the airline app. It's not integrated in the airline app. Well, because it's, it's the airline. A separate app. 
True. And then the and then the airline app will um, interacts with this. Yeah. Other app. But it's my guess is that um, every airline wants a different look and feel and a different um, what do you call it? A different um, interaction for their customers, right? So. Be the same though if it's a well-designed app shouldn't it be the same no why because, does it have to be different because because they're not using the same like the, the when i design an app it's my app and you can't copy it so um the air the airline is just using they're tapping into the data in the back end but the front end looks different um to each person right. so, so you as a customer if you're flying lufthansa and i'm flying JetBlue, it's two different two different experiences but the data that I'm collecting is all coming from the same place. Right. Because it's giving me the same yeah. information. Like for instance, IATA mm -hmm. with Panama. Mm -hmm. What if a neighboring country doesn't accept that? But they do because the information is the same. Right? That's the, what I'm not clear about. Yeah. So, so the information, if I'm going- No, I know the, inf the storage of the information yeah. is the same. It's the same basic information. Your vaccination, your destination, your flights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All that stuff is the same. Why um, do all these different entities and organizations need to create their own apps? Because they're accessing. Why can't there be one? Because they're accessing the access in that information, and everybody wants their own customers. That's really what it boils down to. So I don't care about. Um, I want to own my customer data. I don't want Ayada to own my customer data. All I'm doing is just getting the information from IATA and giving it to my customers. And so it's yeah, my customers and it's my customers. If I had an airline, I would want my own customer data because then I can use it. I can figure out who my customers are, where they're going. Uh, if I have a whole bunch of customers that's going to- See, This information place. is not for the airline consumption. Yes, your address, your birth date, your whatever is the airline information. Mm -hmm. This data, which is your vaccination status, your whatever, is not for airline consumption. This is what they're falling over themselves trying to prove to yeah. customers. Yeah, but the airline needs that information because right. they cannot give right. you a boarding pass. But it's not supposed to be stored. Uh, well, that's so they fine. can't sell this. But they don't have to store it. But they could say, I have gotten... 10 customers who needed a COVID vaccine because they were going to a place that needed a COVID vaccine. There isn't any individual information that says Kushra needed it, Kerwin needed it, John needed it, Mary needed right. it. Um, but I could say four people needed it. And one was a female and three were males. So that's the kind of stuff that they that they got. So you could always have aggregate data. You just can't have um, the individual data is probably is probably what they what they have. So does that make sense? And you always, you're, no. always, you're always going to have that. If if I uh, if I create an if I have an airline, I want my own data. Um, I I am not going to use Ayada's app because I don't like it. It's ugly. Have you seen the interface? <laughs> so it's good data, but it, it's really cumbersome. And I don't like that. And I don't want my customers to go through that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to create an app. I'm going to pull the same information, but I'm going to pull it a different in a different manner. And I'm going to get, I'm going to hit Tomatic. Tomatic is going to come back and tell me, yes, a, a vaccine is, in, is required. 
and I'm going to ask my customers, Kusha, do you have a vaccine to go to this country? You're going to tell me yes or no. And then if you say yes or no, then you, you, I, I determine whether you're going to stay or whether you can go. Mm. So that's all it is. It, it's, it, it's, it's pretty standard. The good thing is that everyone is feeding, is reading the same information. So that's the good thing. Um, go, go to, just go to any airline um, and you'll see that they have somewhere where either links to thematic or they have their own. No, I know. I know. I know thematic. I know that. But it's these health passports that I don't understand what the need is to create this whole assortment of them that basically get the same information. Yeah, because it's, a, it's hot. Everybody wants to say we have a health passport, but you and I know it's BS because it's the same data that we've had since the dawn of airline travel. We know that that stuff is already out there, but now they need to tell, oh, I'm creating a health passport. It's like Delta's concierge. Hmm. Really? It's the same thing you had on your page. You just put it in a different packaging. It's all marketing. You know, it's like when we talked so, about the, it's like when we talked about the three airlines who said, um, oh yeah, I'm the first one to vaccinate all my crew. Do I really care? No. All I really care I need to know about is if I'm going to Brazil or if I'm going to it, if we go to um, Cayenne in uh, French Guyana, mm-hmm. if we're going to Cayenne, we need to get a yellow fever, a uh, malaria shot. You know, or if I'm going to Guyana, um, where do we go? Ghana, I need to get a yellow fever shot. That's all I need to know about no. as a customer. Um, so yeah, I, you're going to see more because everybody- I'm sure, to, yep. Because everybody wants to be cool now and it's a thing. Um, the, the data in the back end, the good thing is that uh, Ayad is making a boatload of money out of this because um, uh, you have to pay for Tomatic in the back end, whatever is this program. So does Ayad own Tomatic? Uh, yes, I believe it's an Ayad okay. program. Yeah. Okay. So they own all that data. Because and they I, claimed, Ayad claimed that theirs was the most comprehensive health passport ever. Well, yeah, because they because they're using. Of course, you're going to say that because it's their yeah. data, right? Um, and everybody. They're surprisingly. Else... Wait, I missed you. Surprisingly, few airlines who have taken them up on it, apart from the Middle East and uh, now Copa. Oh, you mean you don't hear of too many airlines were using it? Well, um, the airlines that can afford to create their own interface will create. So when you sign up for Tomatic, um, there is Tomatic Web. And then there's uh, another, and uh, there's another version of Tomatic. So you can, you, mm-hmm. you as a web, like I have the data on my website. You can go in and, and put the information in. Um, the the Tomatic web is what you pay for, and so what that does is you act, you can actually pull the data from the website as long as you get permission from mm-hmm. them and you pay and all that kind of stuff. And every time someone does a search, it's like two cents per search or something. Okay. Like that. Um, and now more than ever, people are actually looking up that information um, because the countries are closed and that's where the countries are closed information. Matter of fact, um, during this whole thing, uh, the thematic website was having so many hits that they had to, they were shut down, well, either not shut down or slow, whatever it was, but they kept having notifications on the site. People yes. are actually doing uh, screen scrapes and they had to change the interface because the interface they had was very easy for screen scraping. And, and screen scraping just means you write a program and that goes to a website and pulls mm. the data. So they had to change all that. 
and they had to lock it down. And I kept watching it the whole time because I use Tomatic all the time. Um, and I, you know, I've talked to them at conferences and stuff like that. So um, this is the hottest piece of data that's out there. Customers don't realize it, but this is how you see all these websites saying, oh yeah, if you go to this country, these are the requirements because they all get it from Tomatic. I'll put a link to the website so people can actually go look at and see what, exactly what we're, what we're talking about in here. But um, it's, it's big data. And the airlines are just like, you know what? Um, I want a better interface for my customers. I do not want to use a thematic interface. I can use the data because I'm paying for it, but I'm not going to use your interface. And so that's why you see the bigger airlines don't go on to what IATA has. The smaller ones would do it because it's really expensive to do, to design your own stuff. If that no. makes sense. Um, yeah. And so I'm waiting for your other story to say yet another health passport abuse. No. Because <laughs> there will be, but no. I'm sure there will be, not this week, but maybe yeah. next week. And if you find more, Kushu, definitely bring them up because this just shows how the industry is. Um, it's it's like starting new airlines. <laughs> there's, a, there's an opportunity and people are taking, <laughs> making use of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right, I think that was the last one we had. Yeah, this was a short episode. Oh, that's good. No, we, we've been we've been going at it for an hour, Kisha. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <Cannot laughs> <be>. <laughs> well, we, we spent like a an hour talking about automatic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, tired of watching that American Eagle CRJ being pushed back. Oh, come on, times. You know, you know, you love it. So what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to find a video that um, is pretty long and see if it'll play it, uh, play it the, um, the entire time. I was trying to find one that was longer, but I didn't have enough time. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. It, it, see, after one, I didn't realize it was there. I wonder what it's going to look like when the episode is, is recorded, because um, when, if you look at it on YouTube, we're both side by side. So, okay. So it'll be interesting. Right now we're stacked on top of each other. Um, no, that's too funny. All right, did you have anything else no, on this one? No, nothing else. All right, great. So, so I think that's the last one we had. Yep. Uh, yeah, so nice and short, sweet episodes. Uh, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. And um, I was trying to see if we had any more comments, but I think I might've talked about them all in the previous, in the previous episode. Um, yeah, next, next week we'll have some more talk about uh, some Canadian aviation stuff because lots of crazy stuff is going on up there. Um, two, 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 sorry, let's just see. Uh, episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do have a, we do have a comment for you. Um, the comment is, in episode 60, uh, Krisha had a picture of an MD-11. And I mentioned having flown one. Um, and um, they were just mentioned they'd also flown in the flown the MD11, which was back in uh, 2001. Hmm. Um, let's see. Um, they said the business seats seem to be from 1975. <laughs> They had flown DFW to Frankfurt and they were thinking it was the MD11. Might have been in a Lufthansa one. Um, it said um, 
They had a weird shag carpet seat back cover that was strange and comfortable. They didn't upgrade the entertainment system on that plane. In business, they gave you a personal DVD player thing to use in flight, and you could pick from the onboard library of DVDs that they had. I don't think uh, Lufthansa flew to DFW until very recently. Yes, I don't know. So it, may, it may not have been. Uh, um... Probably American. Well, they, they, they said he thought. And Lufthansa of... never really had MD lines. Cargo division did. Did cargo did, yeah. Did they have a. Um... Did it might have been American, but did American ever have an MD 11? I don't think they yeah. did. Did yeah. they? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think they sold them all to FedEx. Oh, okay. So it might yeah. have been an American um, MD 11 that he flew. Delta through. had them as well. Since the route was Dallas to Frankfurt. Uh, definitely so. wasn't it. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it wasn't Lufthansa then. Why did I have Lufthansa in here? So now it looks like, because he said it was. Um, and Lufthansa would never have shot garbage. Yeah, he said I a can few. Guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, he said he flew in business uh, for uh, an American, and it was okay. it was DFW Frankfurt. Uh, it was definitely not this triple seven. So he thinks it was MD eleven, um, and the business he seemed to be from nineteen seventy five, et cetera, et cetera, like I read before. Um, it must have been a DC ten, but we're quibbling here. It could have been a DC-10, but you know, you know how that works. They, they, <laughs> um, or it could have been a TriStar 500, uh, Kusha. <laughs> American never had those. Oh, well, I know, but it's the three airplanes that, that look so much alike, right? The TriStar yeah. 500, the MD-11, the DC-10, because they all have three engines uh, in, this, in roughly the same position. Um, so I think that's the only comment that I had on that. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was all I had that came in. All right, cool. Yeah. So don't forget to send your comments. If you guys have any comments at all, let us know. We are, um, uh, it's good when we get comments because this way we, we, we know whether we're saying the right things or not. And, um, and so let us know. So this has been another episode of What's Happening in Travel and uh, with my buddy. For sure. And I am Kerwin, and we are signing off on this super cold day in Houston. <laughs>